Welcome to today's podcast from Everything Australian Rules Football, Sports Science, Fitness and Strength and Conditioning. I'm chatting with Paul Backash and he's currently the fitness advisor for the West Preston Lakeside Roosters in the Northern Football League in Melbourne. There are four leagues in Melbourne and the NFL is obviously the Northern one. The Roosters have won the last two premierships and I really thought it'd be interesting to chat to Paul about issues involved with preparing a team at this level. Whilst it is called sub-elite, players are paid and there's a high level of expectation every year. It is interesting with so many graduates coming out of masters and exercise science courses now uh, who obviously are trying to get work in the system. I, I really think this podcast would be extremely interesting for them to understand how you need to get your hands dirty before becoming really becoming a sports scientist and, and where sports scientist sits versus coaching and management in these scenarios. Paul has a diverse background and is a qualified teacher and qualified masseur, so lots of experience and knowledge also. So let's get chatting. How are you, Paul? I'm good, Lawrence, and yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. Listen, mate, uh, just quickly, um, just want to know your background yeah. in Australian rules football. You know, you played a little bit, TAC, yeah. etc. Just give me a quick overview. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. So, look, I was never, um, I wouldn't say I was a sports scientist, but I was just an average player as a kid growing up. Um, just played juniors, um, then progressed to, uh, I played VAPA, VAPA footy with uh, Old Essendon and Grandma, um, and then got a job with uh, the Port of Cannons, mm-hmm. so working in the Tax Cup as an SNC coach, uh, which meant my playing days had to sort of wind up. Um, so there for a while, and then lucky enough to get an opportunity with Essendon uh, and do some scouting for a couple of years. Yep. Um, so watching mainly Tax Cup and uh, like private schoolboy footy, um, and now I've been at West Preston for the last three, four years, um, just back at local footy. Um, had a successful couple of years, won, won the last two premierships. So uh, it's good, mate. I've seen a bit of everything. That's fantastic, yeah. So overview of the Roosters, you know, and in general teams in yep. your league, you know, salary crap, yep. salary crap, salary cap, uh, you know, recruiting, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's really good. So... Um, the, the sort of most local leagues in, in Victoria and UA work off a, a points-based system, mm-hmm. so which um, which sort of aims to equalise the whole comp. So, um, again, give an example, an ex-AFL player coming back to a local comp uh, is worth six points, uh, an ex-VFL is worth five, um, an ex-TAC Cup is worth four, uh, and then so forth and so forth. If you're getting a player from another club that you're playing against that season, uh, it adds an extra point. So... I reckon it's a really good system. It keeps the comp really even. I know our comp's super even. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it works off that rather than... And then there's a salary cap, but... Um, How much is it that? It works off that, and you're only allowed, I think, 46 points per game. So How much um, is... it keeps it really even, mate. It's really good. How much is the salary cap? Uh, I'm not too sure. I think it's around... Oh, different leagues are different. So I think EDFL, uh, it's, it, look, it's somewhere around the 200k mark, something like that. Yeah, so, so it's a fairly serious competition. I mean, there's a fair expense going on, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So especially in the last two years, um, the VFL Development Comp, which is uh, almost like your VFL Reserve, mm-hmm. that, that's gone. So all you've got now is one VFL Comp, and the players that were playing in that development league have now come back to local footy, uh, which I think is a good thing. It's, it's raised the standard of local footy, and the professionalism of local footy. Okay, interesting. 
So, so in terms of, you know, you've got your seniors reserves under nine, what, what's it, under 18s or under 19s? And how, how far? Uh, 19s and outcome, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's basically 19s, reserves and seniors. Is that it? Yeah, mainly. And then now you've got um, women's footy as well that's, that's oh. kept up. But in terms of my role, it's mainly, um, yeah, senior men's uh, reserves and, and like a little bit with the 19s. Um, so, yeah, mainly, mainly those three teams that I, I keep an eye on at the Roosters. So, so is it a bit like the old VFL where if a kid plays really well in the other 90s, he could play reserves and he could play seniors? Um, you generally, well, I know with our, with our club, we like to keep, um, unless they're playing senior footy, we like to keep, keep kids in their age group. So oh, okay. um, if they're under 19s, uh, that, that, like, they generally play under 19s. Okay. Um, but in saying that, if they're playing really well, we've uh, been really good in... Um, giving kids opportunities. So if they're playing 19s and they're playing really well, um, they'll play senior footy. Um, what happens in our comp as well is every four rounds, you're allowed, allowed an extra player, and that player has to be an under-19 kid that's played less than three senior games. Oh, so, or, or maybe, has, m- maybe hasn't played a senior game, I think. So, um, so it gives them an opportunity, gives them a taste. You know, they might, they might get 15% game time, 20% game time, but it just gives them a bit of a taste. Oh, fantastic. So, so how many ex AFL players do you do you have? There? Uh, we've got um, well, pretty much with us. We've uh, got Armand Sard with us. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the past, we've had like in my time, we had Andrew Walker, we had Matty Stokes, um, Paddy Tarnesis. Yeah, yeah. Um, those sort of guys. Yeah, but mainly, um, you know, you get a lot of ex AFL. So we've got a lot of guys that have had AFL experience, oh, okay. and you'll find most 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 teams in Div One will be. Um, but most lines will have uh, ex VFL players or guys that are currently on a VFL list. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I see, yeah, because they can play. Like, like Matty, Matthew Signorello did last year. He was with Port Melbourne and he was playing with yeah. you. Yeah. When he wasn't getting a game. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's a fair... So if, if you're at a VFL yeah, club, you have to have a local club. To oh, club. I, I gotcha, um, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So coaching, you've got a fair coaching staff. I mean, obviously you're the fitness guy, but there's a head coach, yep. assistant coaches. Yep. Uh, it's a, it's, a, it's yep. a fairly serious affair, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been really, really lucky to work with um, two really good coaches in Rob Majorana and um, Anthony Rocker, who obviously both have you know, been in the AFL system. Yep. You know, Rob was, um, Rob was uh, in the coaches' box with Brett Ratton for a number of, number of years. Um, you know, worked at Northern Blues as a um, as a uh, head assistant coach, senior assistant coach. Um, Anthony Rocker, you know, everyone knows him. He's sort of um, AFL legend uh, and really, really good um, thinker of the game. So I've been really lucky to work with those two guys. So, oh, yeah, fantastic. So a loaded question: um, yeah. How would you go against the team? Say, thinking like the Neeful or. The waffle. Yeah. Do, yeah. Would you, do you think your team would be quite competitive and/or possibly beat teams? Yeah. Um, look, probably, um, probably doubtful. But they're, they're probably still uh, a level above us. But mm. we, um, I think we'd give it a good shake. I'm not too sure of the standard of the needle these days. I'm, yeah. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Um, that might be a different story, but definitely waffle. Um, like it, it's still probably a level above us because they're the kids that you know. Western Australian kids, if they're not getting drafted, yep. they're playing. They're playing a state level, so that, that's their state level. Okay. So it'd be like um, our, our VFL comp. So uh, I would think Waffle would be a level above us, uh, but 
people, I'm not too sure of the standard now. I think they'd be similar, but um, yeah. But we, we'd be pretty competitive. I'd like to think, yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. Okay, so so touch on the just touch on the biggest challenges at this level, you know, and we'll elaborate that a little yep. bit later. You know, the the winter yep. problem because it's you know because players work. You know, they, they seem to be the two issues, and I suppose that's sort of yep. somewhere in between elite yep. and sub elite. Yeah, just touch on the on the biggest challenges you have. Yeah, I think just um, getting a hold of where everyone's at. Like you've got, uh, I think you sort of mentioned that like you've got. Guys that are tradies, you've got guys that travel for work, you've got guys that are in VFL clubs. Um, so you've got guys doing a million things. So it's just really um, knowing your players and knowing um, uh, what, they, what their challenges are. So um, I, I think the greatest challenge is just being a real communicator and, um, and really talking to your players and knowing what's going on in their lives. Um, so it helps you organise and plan training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll get onto that later because obviously, you know, you've got issues in, in, in winter as all sub elite comps yeah. happen. Yet players, you know, yeah, tra- tra- training's quite late and, and all that sort of stuff, and yeah. it must get exactly yeah. yeah, it must get pretty grim at night sometimes. You know, the desire. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, we're going to say that um, like July is the longest month of the footy year. Like it just seems to go for ages. July. So, yeah. um, and one of the other things is mentally. Uh, it's sort of like every start of the year, everyone's enthusiastic. Um, come finals, if you're lucky enough to make it, everyone's really enthusiastic. But sort of late June, July is um, is the grind. You know, it's where you've got to grind out the season. So yeah, um, so that can be a bit of a challenge. But um, good coaches like we have uh, find a way through that and find a way to get the best out of their players. Fantastic. Yeah. So the pre-Christmas period is an interesting one. What yeah. can you really yeah. What can you really achieve? You know, there's obviously variation in. Players presenting, you know, what what can you really achieve in the pre-Christmas period, in in, in at this yeah, level I mean, of competition? Us, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, for us, the last couple of years, we've been lucky enough um, to win flags both years, so we've gone until almost October. No. So for us, it's just a matter of getting our players back, um, just getting back into it, getting some cases in the league, getting them blowing. Um, like there's, there's a, a thing where you don't want to you don't want to overcook them, especially too early. Um, and just going that extra month means they probably need a bit of a break. So we like to give our players a good break. They're mature and mature after and played enough footy now to know that they can't take too much time off. Yeah. Um, so we give them stuff to do before they come back. But um, yeah, for us, pre-Christmas the last couple of years has been just getting our players back into it, getting tased into their legs um, and getting, getting them blowing and getting some footy into their hands as well. And what's that, twice a week, three times a week? Yeah, yeah, we normally... Um, Especially as well, that's another challenge probably uh, with local footy as well. We've got cricket on the same oval. Oh, so, yeah. Um, so, so with that, we're, we're pretty much only allowed on the track, um, you know, Monday, Wednesday night. And we might do an extra session where we might do some weights or some cross-training. But, mm. uh, yeah, pretty much like Monday, Wednesday, um, yeah, the main pre-season. Like, you've got to squeeze everything, everything into those two nights. In the, pre- in the pre-Christmas period, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, 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 um, so you start... You try to start. You, you definitely start early November, late October. Uh, well, we, we we came back sort of mid-November, mm. uh, around there. Um, so they gave them a good sort of eight weeks off. Um, but we're lucky our players came back in, in pretty good nick. Um, so that they do get like a pre, I mean, if you like a pre pre-season program where it just gives them a few exercises, a, a few sessions to do, um, but it doesn't mentally cook them. Mm. Um, 
So that's the come back sort of mid November. Um, we normally do um, like the testing the first week. You know, it's not normally a heavy week the first week, and then we just um, progress from there up until Christmas. So, so is it is it the way of the future now that even at your level you put programs online and players communicate that way with yeah. say weight training? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I think most teams would be the same where they have have probably like a Facebook group or a team app um, mm. or even email where we have programs up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so like obviously um, there's, there's your base programs, but then I'll have I'll have programs for um, the individual players who have specific, you know, they might um, have knee issues or they might have played with groin issues throughout the season. So yep, yep. what I say to them is that's their time of the year where like, they should be getting on top of that sort of stuff um, and not wait until we're back into pre-season. So that's where I'll communicate with them um, and maybe have a program for them where we're working with their physio or their doc where um, in, that, in that window, they're working on what they need to improve on. I mean, my gut feeling from what you're saying that I have a gut feeling that you personally do a far more professional job in that period than a lot of other clubs would or country clubs would. You know, yeah. I think you seem to have a pretty good yeah. handle on it. Yeah, but anyway, that's um, that's giving you a yeah, pat yeah. on the back there, yeah, Paul. <laughs> like, you've got to you've got to communicate with your players. That's that's amazing. You've got to just um, you know just have a really good relationship with them. Be talking to them. How are they going? How they're progressing? speaking with their physios, um, with their docs, um, and just seeing where they're at. Because the last thing you wanted them to come back to start a pre-season, um, and they're, they're still, you know, carrying things, they're still carrying injuries, and they can't do the load that, yeah, that, yeah. You, that you've planned for. So, 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 that, so that, that's a really interesting point you're making, because it sort of says, the, the you know, you... you, you, you oh, you're a little bit in between elite and sub-elite, but you're certainly prioritising or, or saying that pre-Christmas is important in terms of individual issues, yeah. in terms of yeah. players doing their weight training and, and accessing programs. Yeah. yeah, it's not just turn up in January and get some good players together anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. It's not just... Um, and other things to the other... The other risk is as well, some players, uh, especially sort of younger players, um, go into this thing where if they, if they haven't got gliders pre-Christmas, especially pre-season, pre um, they'll just go and hit the track and they'll just run themselves into the ground. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's also a thing of educating players on, on what, what can you be doing, what's a smart way to train until we get back, how to look after myself without running myself into the ground. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, so I suppose the wrap-up is that, which probably would surprise a lot of people listening to this, I would hope, is that pre-Christmas yeah. is not just a social thing to get together. It's actually a very important period to fix up individual problems and make sure, yeah. as you say, players are doing the right thing and, and obviously yeah. make sure there's a bit of a base there, yeah. It's a, it's a very important thing. Yeah, 100%. Because, yeah. because when you come back, and we'll probably touch on it, but when, when, when you come back after Christmas, I mean, you've got... You've got five weeks until game start, six weeks until game start. So oh, you, know, you, st you just can't be behind the eight ball when you come back. Even even at that level there, even at the yeah local level, yeah, that's that, that's um, that's interesting. Yeah, I, th I would have thought that you had a bit more yeah. time, but so so what do you what do you what do you in general ask them to do over Christmas? Is it the same thing? You just got your Facebook page, your online stuff, and you just give them a program yeah. for three weeks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah which yeah. is pretty so much. I'll give them. Um, I mean, without giving too many secrets away, but I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. give them. I generally give them uh, literally a calendar yeah. of what I want them to do each day. And obviously that calendar is pretty flexible, but 
um, so what running I want him to do, what strength I want him to do, um, and yeah, so that, they'll literally have a tolerance. Because I find um, sort of even at that level, guys are super competitive and they're super driven, mm. um, and you just need to give them stuff to do. So yeah, I'll, I'll have a calendar of stuff that literally says, you know, December twenty eighth, this is what you should be doing, and it actually has like a running program for that day. Yeah, um, and it's Wayne. Word for word, what I want them to do. Fantastic. And I'm always around around that time, so they've got, they know they've got no problem getting a hold of me and asking me if they've, they're not sure on anything or, um, you know, um, I've got any questions. They can always get a hold of me as well. So, yeah. uh, what I what I ask them to do generally is yeah, three sessions a week normally, uh, with varying running and weight. Sounds like to me the Roosters should give you a bit more money by the sounds of it, mate. You run a pretty professional <laughs> show. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. W- one of the things you, you said there was really interesting. You said that you know players are really motivated, but I suppose what yeah. I thought, what I thought, is that the, one of the challenges yeah. you'd have, you'd have the players who are super motivated to go further. Yeah. Some players are just super motivated, but you'd also have some players yeah. that say, well, hey, this is subalute. I just want to have fun. Is that, is that an issue, or do you find most players are motivated? Look, I think even even the guys at our club that are there uh, purely socially still um, are still driven. So they still want to. Um, we're pretty competitive in our twos. Like we've made the finals the last two years, deep into finals. So um, I mean, guys have missed out on selection for twos. So even at that level, um, yeah, there's no easy games. There's guys that play socially, but you know they're still really good I, I, I can't no complaints about that guys like they're oh, fantastic. Um, like giving stuff to do generally it's done um, probably probably at a div 2 or div 3 club you might find guys that yeah probably just there to play and then have a drink and, and yeah, yeah. socially which there's nothing wrong with that that's, that's why the clubs uh, survive as well like that's what they're there for yeah so um, but all I do is um, I prescribe and I, and I coach my boys like um like I, like I wanted to do it, and it's up to them whether they want to do it or not and get the best out of themselves. Yeah, that's so fantastic. That's, oh, no, well, that's, that's a really... So, so when is the first yep. practice match? When do you actually start? When's the, you know... Uh, ours is on the 14th of March. Yeah. Um, so I'm not too sure who we're playing yet. I'm not too sure. That, that's sort of... It has been talked about, but I'm not too sure. Um, the guy that says would know, but I'm not too sure exactly who we're playing. But that's probably... Um, Approximately... The 14th so- of March, and then we'll play... We'll play free. So, so you, most clubs would do that. So, so what would be the average time that a, a club in your, you know, in the NFL would start yeah. training again after Christmas? What's it, what's it, on average, not not, yeah. not specific. Yeah. Well, I, I would think like sort of Australia Day is sort of uh, we okay. came back before Australia Day. A lot of a lot of clubs would come back after Australia Day. Like yeah. Just because we gave our boys a good break. Before pre-season, yeah, um, we we go we came back probably a week earlier, yeah, um, and look, we didn't we didn't smash them. We sort of just did, you know, kick their legs in, um, do some skills, did a little bit of running, uh, just so after Australia Day they, they hit the ground running. Okay, so that's about a six-week block before you start, you know, before a, a real match, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. without giving too many secrets away, you know, let's say the first two right. or three weeks, you've got, you know, let's yeah. say it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you don't have to tell me when. Do, do you do you just prioritise skills in the session, or do you do running before skills or after? Uh, Is it... we'll, we'll mix it up depending on what the coach wants out of the session. We'll mix it up. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. might do, um, you know, if, if it's, it might be a technique based 
drill, uh, drills. Um, so you, you sort of want to keep the players a bit pressure for that. So you might do conditioning at the end. Yeah. Um, no, but generally speaking, we mix it up a bit. So you might do, you might have two rotations. One of those rotations might be a conditioning set. So you might have players you know, to a drill, conditioning, back to a drill, conditioning, back to a drill. Yep. Um, but then, you know, you might, you might do a start and get out of the way uh, and then just focus on the rest of your game sense sort of stuff. So, yep. um, no, there's not sort of one set way the way we do it. We sort of mix it up a little bit. Yep. Um, coming into speed, though, like we're transitioning to sort of speed endurance, it's pretty much all done at the start of training. So we warm up and get that out of the way while they're all fresh. Oh, okay. You know, so, yeah, yeah. Do you, you know, uh, there's a lot, a lot talked about speed, you know, in the modern game. Do you do you do your, yep. speed, do you do your speed work at this level? Is there a priority or on a session? Yeah, for, definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you sort of, it's a hard one because you haven't got heaps of time, but, um, yeah, definitely we work on speed. We work on more um, sort of speed endurance. Um, so uh, working on being able to back up um, mm. maximal efforts or sub-maximal efforts. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's where the game is. The game's at, at a, you know, a maximal level. Um, so, yeah, we, we do it. You have to expose your players to some sort of speed training. You just have to, right? Like, they won't cut, cut during a game. Or I find during a game they just won't cut. So if you're um, running players to the ground, they're just not exposed to um, speed training. I find they won't cope with it during the game. How, how, do you, how can you ask them to cope with it during the game situation um, where you've got unexpected things thrown at them? Um, you just need to expose them to that. Okay, so there's an element of speed from when you come back at at, uh, at Christmas, or a, a, you know, in, in sorry, in January. Yeah, post-Christmas, yeah. normally, yeah, we start exposing them. Uh, like, sort of now, we start exposing them to a bit of speed stuff. Yeah. Um, so that, that, the maximal speed, the acceleration, that, um, you know, speed endurance. So we start mixing it up. Uh, with, uh, tends to find um, agility is a, a different one. So agility, I like them getting a lot of stuff in, in drills, yeah. with agility. Yeah. Uh, I find it's a really hard, hard thing to train at this level. Yeah. Because um, yeah, you sort of, you're one, you know, I've got, I'm lucky enough to have one guy helping me out as well at the moment, uh, Michael, who's been really good, but you, know, sort of, you might have two guys with 60 guys there. So trying to uh, pick up cues, teach cues to guys on, on agility yeah. is a challenge. It's a really big challenge. So I tend to want them to do that in drill. Yeah, so you basically just... Pretty much like we talked about in the past a lot. You just make sure they do a few sprints in a straight line and get some good conditioning in their legs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Exposure. I think just exposure. Just exposure to, 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 to players to everything they're going to be exposed to in a game. Excellent, excellent. So, so do you still use the old Edwards Lake for your fitness test <laughs> down there? Uh, well, Grudgingly, yeah, we do it, we do it last, uh, normally the first night back, the second night back of training. We normally do it pre-Christmas, like just before Christmas, and then we normally do it um, first session back. How far is it? Probably, probably the furthest we've ever, ever run in a session in one go. Um, yeah, it's concrete, which doesn't, doesn't like, it make me nervous a bit, but um, yeah, we still use it. Um, it's there, so we might as well use it. You know, at athletic track, your old soccer ground's getting dug up at the moment, so mm-hmm. we can't use that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so and then just sort of just running around the oval, I find is a bit. It's not really stimulating, so it's an opportunity to go off site as well, go around the lake, um, do it as a group. Um, the players like it, so yeah, yeah, we we do the lake still. And and do you do you use a lot of fitness tests or do you keep it pretty simple? Uh, no, I keep it pretty simple, mate. Ye
you know, we do some screening. We do we do, do some um, uh, musculoskeletal screening, just very basic. So it might be a needle wall. Um, it might be, you know, just something like that. It might be a Thomas test. Yeah. But, yeah, we do a little bit of that sort of stuff. But in terms of testing, um, not really. The, the main reason I do the lace, to be honest with you, is to split against the running group. That, that's pretty much it. I don't really... Um, I found some of the guys that really struggle with the lace come game time at a different speed altogether. And some guys that are, um, you know, really, really good at around the lace struggle in a game sense with that repeat speed stuff. So all that does is help me put them into groups when we when we have our running sets. So you don't really do yo-yo tests and beep tests? And... Nah, nah, no. not really. Nah, not really. Just, not, not really. Just a... It doesn't really tell me much. But I, I think now I know my plays well enough that... Um, I, I don't do a hell of a lot. I would probably if I was... Mm. Probably uh, yeah, getting a hold of that. and um, Yeah, and, and like, like I said, trying to just um, get the most out of training. Uh, I think yo-yo as well. Um, at our level, it'd be really hard to run with, you know, 70 guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm by myself, so it'd be really hard to run. Okay, so that's a really... Well, that leads me to the next question, you know. There's heaps of kids coming out of university and, you know, wanting to get their teeth into, you know, and they've learned yeah. all about GPS and RPEs and yo-yos and... Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you've just said, I've got 70 guys, I've got to work out the best way to manage this. It's, it, it, you, you, there's, a, there's, a, there's a limit to what you can use sports science at that level, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've always... You almost become more of a manager rather than a like an S&C hands-on, like you, you still are, you're still in the gym with them and you're still giving them running, but you're still, um, it's more a management role, so it's more managing their loads, um, it's more managing injuries, making sure you're across what they're doing during the week, during the day, um, and just speaking, like speaking to them regularly. So it's more, a, probably more a management role than it is more a hands-on S&C role, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, well, you probably, I mean, you know, there's heaps of people selling GPS units, there's the you know, perceived yeah. desertion rates, but <clears throat> that would create a nightmare for you if you tried to do all that, wouldn't it? Uh, well, look, I'd love to be able to do it, but yeah, like you say, um, you just need the resources. Yeah. Um, you know, you really need the resources now, and the, the days are gone, which is a good thing, the days are gone where you can just get six students, um, and they'll, they'll happily do it for free, um, so... Like those days are pretty much gone. So to be able to get resources, you need to be able to pay for them. Um, you need to have play, people willing to do it on a Saturday. Um, you need to actually buy the units as well. So um, yeah, like I say, just, you just got to make use of what you've got, um, and whatever you've got has to be good enough. So um, during training, funnily enough, I use like some guys might have a Garmin or, or one of those sort of watches, mm. uh, which I don't use religiously, but it might give me an idea on what sort of load. Um, in K they're doing it. It doesn't tell me about sort of what zones they're in, obviously, and, uh, and time spent in max speed and all that sort of stuff, but it does give me a piece like, of, of what sort of K's they're covering during the training session. Um, but, yeah, you, you just got to keep it basic, mate. At our level, it's just all about... Um, I'm lucky I'm at a club that has, you know, they've been really, really good in terms of most things that are within their budget that I, that I need or been supplied with, but um, and it would be harder at other clubs, but... Yeah, it's still limited. Well, that well, you, what you've said is really interesting. Basically, you're a manager and you're a coach, and yeah. you're, you're an organizer, and you're obviously got a good sports science background. 
you understand yeah. the red flags, but you you do it by communication, by feel, by coaching. Yeah. 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 yeah it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So so yeah. We still use the old RP, RPE sort of system of, of actually getting some sort of data. I think it's important to have some sort of data because. You can reflect on it, so you can reflect on the last three or four weeks. You know, um, but yeah, so we sort of do carry some data. We sort of do get their get their loads from training, and that I, helps us plan the next sort of week. Oh, so you do do um, you do do RPEs? Sorry, I, I was. I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll grab probably twenty RPEs. I'll get place to time training. I'll, I'll time training, and we just get loads. It doesn't help me um, in terms of uh, how a lot of people work backwards mm. and plan the whole year out. For me, it's about forward. So it's about, all right, well, um, what does the next week look like, look like based on the last three weeks? Oh, okay. At our level, it's so hard. There's so many variables to be able to plan out a whole season. It oh, no, no. And that's, you know what, like, um, that that's fairly correct, actually, because... They basically, you know, what there's a decay of what happened eight weeks ago to what's, you know, it's much more important what happened three weeks before yeah. when they're looking yeah. at all this sort yeah. of stuff anyway. So, yeah. okay, so that's great. So you do that, but yeah, you, you, you just can't go too much further. So with the weights, it, you know, come January, they still do that in their own time yeah. because you, you, you know, you haven't got time to do yeah. weights after training, have you? No. Uh, look, all of my strength stuff is mainly injury prevention, mm. um, but I do give them a waste program to do over the summer. Um, and most of our guys, again, going back to communication, most of our guys are really good. They do um, go to the gym on the off nights. Um, you know, we've got guys that have been in the VFL system. So for most of those guys, they sort of know what they're doing. They'll tell me what they're doing. I'll find out what they're doing. The younger guys probably need a bit more guidance. So, you know, a lot of them um, still might be doing a lot, too much upper body um, and not really focusing on sort of hip lower body injury prevention stuff. So uh, it's a matter of educating those guys on what they should be doing and giving them a program. But um, yeah, so I'll, I'll give them a basic sort of program, um, but then around that, guys will have their own stuff that they do. So so your injury prevention, is that more so in the warm-up where you do glute work yep. and things like that? Yeah. Uh, again, similar to running, we'll, we'll, we'll change it up. So sometimes it might be as part of a rotation in training. Oh, okay. Um, it might be the end of training. It might be uh, before training, a, a sort of activation stuff. Yep. So uh, again, it just depends on what we've got planned on the night. And again, that that comes to communication with the coach. So um, number one, I mean, he's the boss. So it's, it's a matter of, you know, what does he want to get at? What's his goal for the session? Yep. And then I'll work around that. So uh, one question I want to ask, the, the, the Nordic yep. hamstring exercise. Um, yep. Do you incorporate that into your program and when? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, we build into it, so we don't do it from day one. But um, yeah, we sort of build into it throughout, the, you know, throughout over pre-season, uh, especially coming into high speed stuff. Yep. So um, yeah, so we'll, we'll progress that every week, you know, sets and reps, um, and and then um, yeah, obviously you have to do that, especially if you're training into high speed. Yeah. Um, one thing I always tell my players is. Um, the running they're doing has to match the strength stuff they're doing. Um, it's just so important just to be able to absorb all the work they're doing. So, uh, yeah, Nordic is something that we do. We don't, we don't just focus on it, but it is part of our program. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so once or twice a week you'll, you'll do a few reps, yeah, in a sense? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, we don't go crazy on them, but, um, yeah, we definitely make it part of our program. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. And when you're talking activation, you're talking single leg glutes, clamshells, you know, balance yeah, yeah, work. Yeah, all, all that sort of stuff. Balance. So, you know what it is? It's more for the guys that um, 
mainly did nothing that week. It's just so they're doing something. Okay. Um, that's, that's the one I'll look at it. So yeah. um, it's just so they're doing something. So I, I can't have guys doing nothing throughout the week. So it might be them doing something. Okay. And I, I'm assuming most clubs have a physio, but players would go there on the off nights, wouldn't they? Or does a physio attend? Oh, I'm not too. I'm not too sure, mate. I've, I've um, obviously it's time through the cannons and whatnot. I've sort of built relationships with a few different physios, so I'll have the relationship with that physio. Um, you know, try to encourage my players to go there, but the players have their own physios, and they're all great. Yep. So it's just a matter of again communicating with those physios. Um, obviously, really respecting their their what what their observations are and and going on their feedback. I'm planning the week for that player based on that information. Oh, fantastic, yeah. So, so in terms of standards at the club, you know, well, obviously yeah. we've spoken about fitness, but uh, do you have to be flexible or is some sort of non-negotiables? And what I mean by that is, say, for instance, you know, taking yeah. body weights, players that are overweight, body fats. I don't know if, you've, yeah. if you can do body fats or if it's just too much time. Yeah. How, how do you go about yeah. sort of non-negotiables or standards within this yeah. sort of yeah. this, this type uh, of um, league? Uh, yeah. we're, 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 we're big on um, two things. A couple of things we're big on is uh, attendance. Okay. So um, we're big on like, and you know, if you get players to come to training, they don't come to training, they come to training. Uh, they don't sort of get that load into their body. So we're big on sort of guys getting to training. Um, I think we're pretty flexible in terms of we we like the leadership who's good enough and our players mature enough that they, um, you know, they take our players are pretty good. They take pretty good care of themselves and they're they're pretty good, mate. So they're. they're you know, if they can't do something that communicate really well, um, so we generally have no issues with that. We don't really have guys that um, really let themselves go, or um, you know, we don't see for two weeks or anything like that. So um, lucky in that regard. But if something did pop up, yeah, like with, um, Rob, our post is pretty big on the standards. You know, he's um, he's meticulous. He's one of the most meticulous players to bet with my life. <laughs> um, he himself has got really high standards, and he expects that out of his players. So um, I think. He's more a coach that would have a mature conversation with that player rather than just whacking him in front of everyone um, and just weighing that up. How am I going to get the best out of this player? Is it whacking him in front of everyone or is it having a mature conversation? Most of the time, it's that mature, mature conversation where um, he would just yeah, speak to them and, and um, yeah, expect them to uphold standards. So do you take body weights weekly, something like that? No, nah, nothing like that, mate. No, nah, okay. nothing like that. Again, that's more resources. No, nothing like that. Not, not really. No. So no body fats, no skin folds, nothing like that. No. No, no nothing like that. No, nothing like that. You, you can, um, you, you can tell as a coach if the player is starting to pudge, pudge out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, and um, yeah, and, and that's that's my responsibility, making sure that they're maintaining it this year. Um, and the, well, I've got them in a good enough position to start of the year. But the rest of the year is about just maintaining standards. So, yeah. um, no, I haven't really been. I've got to say, I haven't been really been in that situation where uh, I've had a player who's you know um, really fallen behind the eight ball. And uh, no, I haven't really. Luckily, I haven't really been exposed to that yet. But I reckon the way that would play out is probably a mature conversation with them, and, um, and maybe just you know um, maybe some motivating, maybe some education. But yeah, I haven't really been one where I've had to scream at them or. Um, punish them if you like. Uh, no, not really. Not okay. Really so, so, so post game recovery is an interesting one. So, a lot of people think it's yep. you know at this level, you know, that even though there's a two hundred thousand dollars salary cap, that a lot of players will play a game and then just go and you know write themselves off on Saturday night or you know whenever they play. 
Um, yeah. And how, how do you manage recovery the day after? You know, when do you start training again? Uh, are you pretty strict with that? Yeah. Um, now, again, our players, again, a lot of them are exposed to a high level. So, I mean, we might do something every few weeks, but... Um, no, uh, we, our players, we trust them enough and they haven't let us down so far. So they, we generally do their own recovery. Uh, they've got protocols that they need to do. So it might be like a pool session. It might be, um, you know, some mobility. Uh, it might be a massage. So generally players like to have their own recovery uh, strategies. Um, but generally it's done by Tuesday. So come Tuesday, um, you know, we're ready to go. So, uh, yeah, most of our players are pretty good with that. We don't have like a strict you know, meet the club at 6 a.m. type thing. Mm. Um, and obviously, going back to your point earlier, it's, it's still social. So even at that level, even our top guys, it's still social. You, you don't want to take that away from them. So, yeah. um, you know, you let them your hair down a little bit without going, uh, you know, getting out of control. Uh, and then they know sort of Sunday they've got to look after their bodies because, as you know, the longer they leave it to get back into, you know, recovery mode, um, the first 24 hours is so important. So, you know, if they if they're not doing anything in that first 24, 48 hours, I mean, yeah, yeah. So I need to tell you what that does for the rest of the week. Yeah, no, fantastic. So, so you see, you touched on before winter being a problem, and obviously, yeah, you know, they're not AFL facilities, they're not Premier League facilities. You know, you, you yeah. get to a ground, it's freezing cold. Um, do, do you change yeah. up? Do you change up training sometimes? Do you go indoors in winter? Um, do you, or do you just do you just? Oh, stick- we might. Yeah, we might. It's more about just making sure the players are enjoying their footy. Because I think it's more a mental thing. That, that time of year is more a mental thing, like I said. Not, not particularly like a physical thing. Um, you know, obviously that market trauma does build up a little bit. But I think it's more a... It's more a um, yeah, it's probably more of a mental thing. So how, how do you pressure the players up? Uh, and it's come back to have a really good coaching staff. So um, our coaches are really good at all right, doing something different. It might be a drill. It might be a session somewhere else. Um, it's really good at pushing them up mentally because, you know, if you get through sort of July, then suddenly you start having longer days, it's a little bit warmer, uh, grounds are a little bit drier, so you're just going to get through that time of the year. Um, yeah. And I think it's more a mental thing. Um, so, yeah, little things. Like, that coach is really good. It's just changing up a lot of little things that just motivate, keep our players fresh, keep them hungry, um, and just get through that really hard time of the year. Obviously, it's cold in Melbourne. You know how cold it gets in Melbourne as well. Yeah. Um, but you can't, you can't let that be an excuse because, you know, Saturdays, you might have every Saturday in July where it's raining and cold. Mm. Um, so, all right, how do, you, how do you make the players enjoy being at training? And that's the key, really. You know, your players want, should want to come to training and play and be around their, their teammates and enjoy themselves. That, that's probably the key thing. Fantastic, yeah. So, anything, yeah, did you notice you've won two premierships, two flags? Did you have to change up a yep. little bit each year? Do you find yourself having to change your focus or you're locked into a system? Uh, you know, different uh, age groups, I different... Think they're different. I think they're very different. I think the first, the first year, um, first year was probably more, it was uncharted waters for us. So, we played finals the year before, we got knocked out the first round. So, I think last year we were experimenting a bit ourselves with, all right, how do we do things? What do we think the best way to do things are? Whereas I think this year we, we had done it before, so it was a lot more, um, it was a lot more, uh, you know, we, we had been there, so it was more just staying focused and, and being confident and trusting our process. Yep. Um, oh, fantastic. All right, well, look, um, 
just to finish up, what are the pressures at a club like this? You know, you've, you've obviously said there's, yeah. a, there's a reasonable salary cap. You've got presidents and managers and, and sponsors and supporters. It's, it's bigger than what people think, isn't it? Oh, 100%. And probably more so. Um, just because, like you said, AFL clubs have different ways of getting turnovers. Mm. So for us, it's more about... Um, it's more about, um, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, you've really got to look after your sponsors. Um, you, you know, just sort of, you, you're engaging with the club, making for part of the club, which we're, I think we're really, really good at. I think that's a good thing. Um, West Preston's unique as well in that it's, it's um, you know, you, you haven't got many clubs around us, so we're very much, um, you know, in the NPL, they call it a one-club a one club town. So I think uh, we're... we're uh, pretty close community around that area as well. So, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, so I think I think we've got a lot of support from the local community as well. But uh, as far as pressure, um, yeah, I, I think it depends on the team you've got. We've got a pretty good team, um, you know, that have done it for a while. So the people that are running West Preston have won West, run West Preston for a while. So I think they're um, really good at what they do, um, really especially run clubs. Uh, so I think... I mean, there's always pressure, but I think they've been in a situation where they've done it before, um, and they sort of know what they're doing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and you're right with pressure, though. You've got to just look after your sponsors and make them part of the club um, because they're just so important to making a club survive. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that's that's fantastic. That's giving me a fairly good overview. One thing you didn't sort of speak about, Paul, was. Your background yep. in, um, I suppose, soft tissue therapy or massage. You, you also do that. Yep, yep, yep. So that was my first sort of um, major sort of qualification. I think before I got into, uh, it's still a while ago. It's see, so that was probably around uh, twelve years ago, something like that. Um, was more a soft tissue guy, um, but had always been, um, uh, you know, sort of cert three, cert four. Had always been in the fitness industry. Um, yeah, so remedial massage has given me a really good way, a, a different way of looking at uh, S&C as well. Um, so, yeah, no, so that's sort of my main... That was my first main qualification, and then obviously now wrapping up the um, Bachelor of Education uh, in Health and PE. So, um, you know, something I'm aiming for is to, you know, PE teaching, secondary teaching, PE and health. Um, I'm helping at Loyola College this year with their football program and doing some placement there. Um, so yeah, so just that's what I'm working towards. But yeah, my first one was uh, was more soft tissue. Well, that, that's great, isn't it? Because it gives you a unique way of, um, of unique knowledge or insight into players' bodies and, and what's happening and yeah, and, and how, how to yeah. manage it, yeah. as you said. All right. Well, best of luck for the season. Thanks for chatting. That's been uh, really, really, really interesting and insightful, and not too much IT. We got around that. Um, <laughs> um, all right, Paul. Yeah. Well, thanks, and I get don't want to get in trouble, mate, when I go to training tonight, so... All right. We've no. kept it, we've kept it. We've done well. All right, good luck. See you, mate. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I really hope it gave you an insight into the realities of this level of football, which is, which is really quite professional and quite demanding and requires a very specific skill set from somebody like Paul to help, achieve, uh, for, to help the club achieve the success at once. I think it's really important also for graduates and people coming out of master's degrees to understand the realities of, of, of working in, in, in clubs like this and, and, and the importance of understanding what the big rocks are in preparation. And in the case of Paul, it was clearly spelt out that 
communication, uh, the art of coaching, uh, management, attention to detail, were really just as important as sports science. Of, co- of course, Paul's qualified and understands sports science, but he has to deal with it player by player and, and hasn't got the time to do GPS monitoring and, 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 and body fats. It's just out, out, of, out of control if he started doing that. So I think it's a, it's a really good example of the big rocks versus the small rocks and understanding what's what needs to be prioritized in, in, in preparing a team like that. Okay, thanks a lot for listening.